Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you want to partner with us by giving into this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our Oklahoma City campus pastor, Oscar Ortiz. Well, what's going on, Victory Church? Oh, man. There we go. There we go. I'm ready. I'm ready. I, know, I feel like some people are ready, especially. But here's, I, I doubt a little something. I doubt if, like, if, if OU would have lost, I wonder if you would have been as excited to worship Jesus today. Just saying. Just saying. I mean, some of you guys' Christianity was tested yesterday, and you had, like, had to repent. Just want to say that. Hey, want to welcome everyone that's watching uh, online, and we're so grateful that you are here uh, today to worship Jesus. Pastor John was texting me this morning. He's like, hey, tell our people that I'm so excited to be back next Sunday, so make sure you come back, because Pastor John will be back with us. And, and since we're talking about it, can we just love him and honor him and just let him know we're so thankful. We're so grateful. We're so grateful for this body, for this church. Can we also give it up for an amazing staff that we have in both of our campuses in Edmond and OKC? We have Pastor Moises, our, our Iglesia campus, Spanish campus here. We're so grateful for his leadership as well. We're just so honored that we have a, an amazing, amazing team uh, today. So uh, today, as we dive into God's Word, you can either open up your Bible, if you have paper, or you can turn your phones to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, and... And follow along. One of the coolest things that we do is we have all of the notes on the YouVersion app so that you can actually literally just take all of the message notes already there. Just go to the open your version, YouVersion app, open events, and find Victory Church. And there they are. If you want to transport them to your notes, export notes, boom, it's done. You have all the scriptures, all the notes, especially today because I have a lot of scriptures for you. Okay, and at first I felt a little guilty. I was like, oh, you know, that's a lot of scriptures. That's a lot of word. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of logos. I mean, that's a lot of written word of God. I don't know if, if people can handle God's word, but I think you can. Because I believe that sometimes the words of like preachers, you know, we, we, can, we can try to be eloquent and try to be articulate into how we communicate God's word. But we cannot replace the anointing and the power of God's word itself. So even though I may make you laugh, you know, the Holy Spirit might say something through the written word that I want to share with you today. So because of that, I, I have no apologies for that. But, but we are a church that believe, truly believe in, in God's word. So we're going to dive in. Hebrews chapter 5. And I'm going to test your Christianity one more time because I invite you to stand up. Oh, man, I hear the, the crying and gnashing of teeth. Um, oh, my gosh. Isn't coming to church enough? You ask us to stand up? Okay, just for a little bit because we want to honor. And I'm not saying that if you're sitting down, you're dishonor God's word. But sometimes our posture sets up an expectation. And... It's just something about differently, you know, I'm trying to teach my, my, my boys, you know, how the posture should change. Or even if, if you're walking with mama to the, to the grocery store, you open the door for mama. Mama should never open a door in her life if you're nearby. Not her car, not, I mean, you just don't do that. And if you want to go further, you other ladies too, uh, okay? So, so posture does change, changes everything. So we're going to read God's word. And sometimes standing up says, hey, listen, I know my heart. My heart wants to sit down, and I know in my life, I, I feel like I'm crawling. But because of God's word, I'm going to stand up. Because it kind of brings a truth that I currently don't have, but I'm going to receive. Now, we're going to dive into the book of Hebrews. And why did I choose to preach out of the book of Hebrews? I do not know. Because when I read it, I, th I just thought, man, this dude is way, way, way smarter than me. But we'll dive in and allow the Holy Spirit to help us. Hebrews chapter 5, he says, So to Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, 
But it was he who said to him, you are my son. Today I have fathered you. This is God speaking to Jesus. He says, just as he also says in another passage, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, we won't talk much about Melchizedek, but even though it's a huge part of this scripture... Because Melchizedek is a very mysterious character that shows up in the book of Genesis. And if you ever want to do a little bit of fun study, learn about Melchizedek, who's the prince of, of, of Salem, who's also known as the prince of righteousness. And Salem is another word for peace or shalom. So he's the prince of peace and the priest of righteousness who had no mother or no father. So you got you, and, and he appears into history and then disappears out of nowhere. And so the reason why I'm telling you this is because you find Jesus Christ all throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament and New Testament, but it's all throughout, throughout the Scripture if you find him. And the reason why the author of Hebrews is telling us about Melchizedek is saying that Jesus has the right to be the high priest. So we, we, it says, just as he says in another passage, you're a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his humanity, Jesus he offered up both prayers and pleas with a loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from dead. And he was heard. Um, to the one who was saved to save him from dead and he was heard. It's a little interesting, right? Because I thought he died. But anyway. Because of his devout behavior, although he was a son, and this is where we'll spend most of our time. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Whew! That's a lot. But we're going to dive in, and hopefully we don't drown, okay? Everybody get your Holy Spirit floaties, because we're about to go in, man. All right. Father, come and pray with me. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and active. Lord, I don't have to add anything to it. But we do need your Holy Spirit to, to do what we cannot do in the natural. And we're so thankful for your, for your goodness. In your name we pray. Amen. My title for this message, you may be seated, seated, is simply this, Identity Crisis. We've been in the season of who am I, trying to find out as believers, how do we walk out who, who Jesus says we are, who God says we are. Because it is... It is uh, an enormous challenge in our culture today as we look at around the world to recognize that we have an identity crisis. And what's more importantly even is that even in the church, even in the, in the Christian world, I believe that as you look at Christianity as a, as a whole in, in the sense of religious activity in, in our nation, we have an identity problem. We're, we're more divided than we've ever had. We, we have a hard time understanding true biblical gospel. We have a hard time comprehending the, that the Christianity of the New Testament many times doesn't look like the Christianity that we're living out today. And it's mainly because of an identity crisis. So when I read Hebrews 5 and I recognize that the author is talking to an audience who was dealing with an identity crisis. I thought, maybe God has something for us today. When you read the book of Hebrews, you recognize that the author is going after an audience who was struggling. Because there were Christians who were being persecuted by the Roman Empire. If you, if you read history, you remember that the Emperor Nero was now at a place after... Jesus and the disciples are, you know, fading. Jesus goes back up to heaven and the disciples are being martyred. And now the Christians are being persecuted. So the author of Hebrews recognizes that some of them were struggling with their identity because some of them were going back to Judaism. They were going back to their old ways, to the, 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 the person that they used to be, simply because persecution once started. Many were being incarcerated. Many were being martyred. If you know what Nero would do to Christians, he would put them in a coliseum and have them fight wild beasts for their faith. So some of them are seeing, okay, man, I don't know. I mean, I thought the whole Christianity thing was because I was going to get some bread and some fish. I'm not sure I'm into this, me becoming the bread and the fish for these lions. I, I, I thought following Jesus was going to be, hey, maybe he can heal me or he can do something for me. I don't know about this whole thing, you know, about, but that's the challenge. So many are going back in their faith. Some of them 
we're following Jesus, but we're still doing animal sacrifices for the priests. So the author of Hebrews says, you must understand something. You don't no longer need to make any more animal sacrifices because Jesus is the high priest. Not only is he the high priest, he became the ultimate sacrifice. And he's the high priest. So you, now you don't have to keep sacrificing. Now you can just come to the Father through Jesus. He is our high priest. And then he brings out the, the order of Melchizedek in a way to say that Jesus was was related to Melchizedek, and there's a connection there that you must understand was divine. But the other thought that the author of Hebrews says, he begins to talk about Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus as the Son of God. You need to know two things. Jesus is the high priest, and Jesus is the Son of God. But as the Son of God, you must understand what he went through, even though he was the Son of God. So I'm going to share with you four things today. That can help us strengthen our identity in Christ when we go through suffering. When we're faced with trials. When we're faced with tribulations. When we go through, through, through stuff that we're, we don't think we should go as believers. I want to give you four things that hopefully can encourage you and help you endure. Get strength whenever you're going through a situation that is challenging who you are as a son or as a daughter of God. The four things are, first one, you must start acting like a child. Now, some of the guys should get excited about that, because, <laughs> right? Number two is suffer with purpose. Number three is learn to obey. And our final one is keep becoming. So we're gonna kind of break those throughout this message. The first one is, Start acting like a child. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 8, although he was a son. And when, when, when I talk about a son, I just want to make sure, ladies, you, you're not left out. When I talk about sonship, I'm also talking about daughtership. When I talk about son, I'm not talk, talking about daughters, okay? So you're in this, all right? Don't let the devil lie to you and give you an offering heart and be like, oh, I'm not, he's not talking about me. No, I'm talking about you, all right? Amen? Because the ladies are the ones that amen anyway. Fellas, come on. Oh, there, there we go. All right, come on. Although he was a son, and we know that everything starts in our relationship with Christ with identity. Everything comes for identity. And even though sonship is immediate, when you come to Jesus, sonship and daughtership is immediate. We also understand that it's immediate, but it's also a process. It doesn't all happen at once. And have you, have you heard of the phrase, like a, a lot of loving, sweet people that say this, you know, we are all God's children. And it sounds so loving, and it sounds so welcoming, and it sounds like, oh man, we're all God's children. That's everywhere in the Bible, but it is not. <gasps> Look at the silence. Because the Bible is clear that we're not all God's children. We're all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. So identity must begin with you recognizing if you are a child of God or not. So let me help you through that. Ephesians 1, 5 says, In love he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. How do you become a child of God? It's only through Jesus. How are you, are you adopted? It's only through Jesus. How do you become a part of God's family? It's only through Jesus. What happens if you do not follow Jesus? You are not a child of God. I'm not saying that scripture is very clear about it. Galatians 4 says, because you are sons, God has sent his, the spirit of his son in our hearts. Crying out, Abba, Father. God sent the spirit of his son. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. So the disciples are having this discussion with Jesus. And they say, hey, Jesus, I know we are all your sons. But tell us, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to be the greatest? Come on. You know, Jesus, you've been watching me, right? I mean, you know, you know I handed out those fish and those loaves of bread, right? You know? You know, when everybody was taking their time, I was, I wasn't, you know, you know me, right? And 
what Jesus says, instead of just starting answering them, he does something very, very meaningful. And he, go, he goes and grabs a child and he brings him around the disciples. And he simply says to them in Matthew 10, unless you become like one of these, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine the disciples who we thought, okay, I thought we, wait, wait a minute, what do, you, what do you mean I have to become like a child? I mean, common wisdom would tell you that in order for anyone to know God, to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, for truly understanding the ways of God, a child must become an adult. But Jesus says, no, the model is not the adult. The model is the child. If you want to become mature in God's kingdom, you have to become a child first. And as we begin to understand Jesus' identity as a son, although he was a son, makes me wonder sometimes, as children of God, I wonder how many times, how many of us have gotten too old with our faith. That, do you remember the day when Jesus spoke to you and you felt his love and you felt his acceptance in spite of your mess? And do you remember how it felt to have the weight of the world be, be, be taken away from you? And do you remember what it was like to feel like you were now a child of God, that now you're headed to heaven, no longer apart from, and separated from God for, for eternity? And do you remember the joy that you began to, to believe in everything? I love meeting new Christians. Because they remind me of something that I should never forget, that I should never become too old in my faith. I love being around children. And I love, my, my wife has been a teacher for 24 years, kindergarten to first grade to fifth grade. And I hear all kinds of stories about children. And I love it because they have no shame. They're honest. They're very, sometimes too honest. Our daughter was too honest sometimes in the cashier's line at Walmart. It's not that they don't, they just, they, they can't hide. They don't try. They're just honest. They're simple. And, and I wonder what sometimes, sometimes we, we have, we think that in order to please God, we must perfect our faith. We must kind of, you know, put our chests up and walk around like the disciples and say, God, haven't you noticed what I've done today? Haven't you noticed what I've done for you? God, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty, I might be a pretty big deal in the kingdom of heaven. And I wonder sometimes if Jesus needs to bring a child in front of us and says, if you truly want to know me, my ways, and the ways of my kingdom, you have to start thinking and living your life like a child. I'm not saying you, you must have childish faith, because that's also possible. I'm saying you must have childlike faith, that you have complete trust with the Father. But yet, but you must start acting like a child. Start acting like a child. Hebrews 5.8 says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. He learned obedience with the things which he suffered. The second thing that can help us strengthen our identity in Christ is this, suffer with purpose. Everyone suffers, but not everyone suffers with purpose. Everyone suffers, but not everyone suffers with purpose. We suffer because of our choices. We suffer because of other people's choices. Sometimes we suffer because of the team we follow. Sometimes we suffer because we're just in a fallen world. And I know that I want to be sensitive here because there's a lot of people here, especially in this state, that are suffering. People that are losing their jobs because of decisions they're, they're wanting to make. People who are losing relationships and friendships. People who are struggling with, with, with health conditions. People are suffering today. Everyone suffers, but not everyone suffers with purpose. See, Hebrews 10 says, but remember the former days 
When after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Accepted joyfully that your your home was being taken away. Knowing that you have for yourselves a better and lasting possession. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. What the author of Hebrews is telling us is this. As Christians, we will suffer. But it is your choice whether to suffer with purpose or to suffer without purpose. As you face trials and tribulations, how are you going to respond Are you going to look at God and walk away from him? Or are you going to receive joy and say, God, I may not understand it, but I'm trusting you that I'm going through the middle of something because in the same way you're trusting me that I can handle this and that you're not going to give me anything that I cannot endure, that you're not going to put something in front of me that I cannot overcome. If you're putting me through this, it's because you see me walking with Jesus and able to handle this. I can endure because Jesus is walking with me. Suffer. With purpose. And in the safe of suffering, in the face of suffering, that we don't throw our confidence away. That we don't give up. That we keep saying, Jesus, I trust you. I trust your power. I trust your word. I trust what you say you were going to do. I trust you with my marriage. I trust you with my sickness. I trust you with my children. I trust you, Lord. I'm confident in this, that he who, who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. Through Jesus Christ, suffering with purpose. Remember, Jesus did not come to take suffering away. He suffered to take away sin. Because he knew there was eternal purpose to the suffering. David prophesies in Psalm 22. And this is a thousand years before Jesus will go to the cross. So whenever you hear Psalm 22, picture Jesus on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift up my voice, but I find no relief. Can anybody relate to this sometimes? Yet you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and they were saved. They trusted you and they were never disgraced. But I am a woman, not a man. I'm a sick, scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their hands saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save them. Wasn't that what the thief said to Jesus? If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. One scholar said, there's only one person in history who could fulfill what the psalmist was talking about in Psalm 22. And that person is Jesus Christ. To go through the suffering that he went through was because there was eternal purpose. Why does God allow suffering? God allowed Jesus, his only son, to suffer. Although he was a son, he suffered. Why did he allow him to suffer? So that on the other end of our suffering, there were people who were going to be transformed and have an opportunity to regain relationship with God. But why does God, if Jesus already accomplished that, then why do people suffer? Better question is, why do good people suffer? I understand, and I'm okay with bad people suffering. Aren't you? Let's be honest. We're in church. I'm saved, but sometimes I'm more saved than other times. Right? Because you'll understand that when you come to Christ, suffering is still part of the picture. That it's not taken away from you. When you came to Jesus, your wife's breath did not become glorious the next morning. Or your spouse or your, or your husband's belly did not disappear all of a sudden. You still had to deal with stuff. You recognize that even coming to Jesus, that, that you are still going to have to make financial decisions. That you're still going to have to make relational decisions. That not, not everything was fixed automatically just because you gave your life to Jesus. 
that there was suffering to be done with it. Everyone suffered, but not everyone suffers on purpose. Why do people suffer? Why do God allows us to suffer? If according to his word, that he says that our suffering, our trials, our tribulations, what we go through is for our good, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. It just doesn't. Until you begin to understand the heart of a loving father. That as a loving father, sometimes he allows us to suffer so that we can see ourselves and we can know what is the first thing we're going to run to when we suffer. What? When you're going through the trials, what is the first thing that you run to? To save you. To help you forget it. To help you deal with it. Is it a glass bottle? Is it a plastic bottle? What is it that you run to? Who is it that you run to in hopes that if they can fill in the gap, the void that's in my life, then I'll be okay? When I'm going through a trial, when I'm going through just a hard time, who are you running to? And God allows us, his children, to go through trials at times. To show us when we're not running to him, but also to show us when we're running to him. We're not running to him just so that he can fix our issue. We're not running to him just simply because we don't know what to do. But we have an advocate with the Father who intercedes on our behalf and knows exactly what we're dealing with. See, remember, the three Hebrew children were not delivered from the fire. But... Modern gospel sometimes that says that there won't be a fire at all. When in the Bible, it is in the fire that the fourth man shows up with the face of the Son of Man. It is in the fire that you get to see Jesus in a way that you never see in the fore. Because even though you're in the fire, you're not burned. Your clothes are taken care of. You don't even smell like you're burned. Because in the fire, it is Jesus that shows up with you. What happened to Daniel? He was still taken to the, to the lion's den. But he was in the, in the den surrounded by hungry lions. That he was able to see the angel of God close the mouth of lions. Why does God allow us to go through the fire? Why does God allow us to go through the lion's den? Why does God allow us to face the storm in the Sea of Galilee? Why does God allow us to, to face hunger? Because it is through those times that we're able to run to him and say, God, you are my only source. I have nobody else. If you don't save me, God... No one else can, but I'm coming to you not just because I want food or I want salvation or deliverance. I'm coming to you because that's all I know. You are my father. Suffer with purpose. James says it this way. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, man. So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Sometimes God allows us to suffer because that's the only way he can make us complete. Not through our suffering alone. Let me explain that. God is not just happy that people suffer. But he won't waste people's suffering. And he will use it for his glory. And he will use it to make you more like him. And if that's what God wants to do, then so be it. I'm so thankful. I, you know, when you're going through it, you're not thankful until after you come out of it that you look back and say, oh, my goodness, how, how did I survive? How did I, 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 when I was in the middle of the divorce, I didn't, I think, I thought it was over. When I was in the middle of losing my family member, I, th I thought it was over. How did I make it through here? And then as you look back, you begin to see Jesus and his presence walking with you alongside every time. Even though you were walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he was with you every moment. His rod and his staff protected you. And I want to be sensitive because I know some people are going through the valley. Let me remind you, you're going to get through the valley. This is not your destination. 
You may say, man, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. God, you begin to see that God will use everything that the enemy means for evil and that he will turn everything around for your good. You may not see it yet, but if you just don't give up, if you just don't quit, right in the middle of the valley, I know you're hoping for a mountaintop experience, but listen, fruit doesn't grow on the mountain. Fruit goes in the valley, and it is in the valley when you grab the seed that will take you to the next, po the next place where you'll be able to plant it, and fruit will grow to feed you and your family spiritually third thought learn to obey verse 8 says although he was a son he learned obedience but it's not learned to obey notice it's he learned to obey see when we follow when we choose to follow Jesus we immediately become the children of God When we leave our life behind, we say, God, I will follow you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. I choose to follow you. We immediately become the children of God. And our identity is immediately changed. We're no longer slaves. We're sons and daughters. We're no longer enemies. We're friends with God. But even though our identity might be immediate, our obedience isn't. Anybody have children in this place? What changes our obedience? I'm really asking because I want to take notes and, and put in practice in my family. Really, if you, have, if you know what works with obedience with children, please call me. What changes our obedience? Is it punishment? Because we try that. And is it discipline? Is it... What, 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 what is it? And sometimes when I read this, it was an encouragement to me because he talked about Jesus having to learn to obey. Obedience comes from being able to learn. They go hand in hand. If you learn without obeying, you're not really learning. But your obedience will be limited unless you are learning. Learning is the acquisition of knowledge or skills through experience, study, or being taught. But what occurred to me as, as I read this passage was the thought of how could Jesus possibly learn? Didn't he already know everything? Isn't God omniscient? Didn't Jesus say, when you've seen the Father, you've seen me? Didn't Jesus know everything? And what, you, what we must understand is that even though he was the son of God, he was still 100% human. That didn't have all knowledge at all time. Because Paul tells us that he let go of the qualities of being God. He humbled himself as a servant. Luke chapter 2 reminds us. When Jesus was self, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. Jesus had to grow into his identity as a son. Sounds so simple. But if you can truly wrap your arms around this truth, hopefully we'll encourage you to not give up where you are in your relationship with God. Jesus had to grow in learning. And he obeyed after learning. And after learning, he obeyed. And his obedience, because he kept being obedient, his learning kept increasing. I wonder sometimes as us believers, if some of the challenges we face are not due because we, we lack praying or because we lack wanting or trying, but we lack learning. As we, as believers... Some of the things that we struggle with, this, the suffering that we go through, I wonder it's just simply the same suffering, but it's recycled because we never learn. You know, they're not here, but you know that family that you see during Thanksgiving and Christmas? They're going through the same issues. Every year is the same thing, the same story. It's just the same problem. It's just recycled. And what's worse, if they're not dealing with it, they don't learn from it, the next generation will face with the same issue because they're not learning. And I'm not learning. Listen, I felt this was from the Holy Spirit. It's not a learning of information because a lot of us, we have more of the information that we can handle 
through devotionals, through Bible app, through everything you can think of. It's not a matter of information. It's a matter of revelation. When God reveals, it's one thing for God, for you to know that God is your father. It's another thing for God to reveal himself as a father to you. It's one thing for you to know, okay, I'm a child of God. It's another thing for you to have the revelation. I am a child of God. And it changes how, how I live. But our identity is strengthened through learning obedience. So, for example, if, you, if we're talking about identity, Jesus tells his disciples, when the disciples says, how should we pray? He says, when you pray, pray, Father, who art in heaven. So if you don't pray like this, maybe you should start. I'm giving you information that hopefully through the Holy Spirit turns into revelation to you. So if you don't do this already, start this way. Whenever you pray, however you pray, start with Father. Don't say men upstairs. God has no revelation whatsoever. And 100% religion. Don't just say, Almighty creator of the heavens, thou who are high above the sky, above the clouds. That may be partially true. Just, just childlike faith. Just say, Father. Just simple. Try to remove your perfect, you know, however you try to pray. Just say, just Father. When you, when that's revealed to you as Father, when you learn this information, turn to revelation. So the learning goes first. The more you obey it and you put it into practice. The more you connect with him as father, the new revelation of a father that he'll be given to you. And the more you see him as truly a father through the Holy Spirit, the more you'll be transformed because you see yourself as a child. Not just as a, as a child, but as a child of God. See, religion, religion tells us that we have to. Necessity tells us I need to. Relationship says, I want to. And some of you guys are here because you have to. You feel like you have to. If I don't show up, someone's going to be mad at me. You know, Pastor Jack is going to send me a text. Or somebody's going to be after me. And sometimes we need revelation to transfer that into, okay, I, I, I really need to be with God's family. And that's good. And that's good. But it's not until you get to, I want to. Lord, I want to do this just because. Not because you want to bless. I, I need a blessing to you. I, God, I'm, I'm not coming here for blessings. I'm just coming here because I'm your child and we have a relationship. And I'm just here, God, because I want, I, 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 just, want, I just want you. When Jesus learned, it means that he, he obtained information that he previously didn't have. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, hey, I can learn today. I'm going to learn. I can learn. If Jesus learned, he wants me to learn. And thank you for doing that. But what if, what if the way you're praying right now, what if, what if the situation, the trial, the suffering that you're praying to, for God to save you from right now. What if that's the very thing that God is trying to use to grow you? And that you're praying for an early exit. If Jesus learned, maybe our prayer shouldn't be, God, please save me. Maybe our prayer should be, God, please teach me. God, if you trusted me with this trial, I don't know why, God, because I barely made it through the last one. I got a, I just, I barely made it out alive. And now you're trusting me with this one. The temptation sometimes is that God, please deliver me. God, I thank you they are for me, not against me. God, I thank you that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. God, get rid of this weapon. God, break this weapon. Send this weapon to my enemies. What if it, what if instead of praying against God, what if God's saying, you, you're asking me to take you out of the thing that I want to use to grow you. What if you begin to pray, Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this. Would you teach me? 
Would you show me what it is that you want me to learn? I said, what, that you want me to, to become more patient, more loving? I said, I said, that you want me to become more like your son? Look, whatever it is, will you teach me? Don't let me live this trial without purpose. God, if you're going to put me through this, might as well I get something out of it. Would you teach me, Lord? <laughs> Philippians 2.6, it says, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but entered himself by taking the form of a bond servant and being born in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. We must learn to obey. And the last final thought is this. Verse 9 says, And having been perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation. Last thought is this. To strengthen our identity with Christ, we must keep becoming. Sonship, daughtership is not the end. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. It's just our foundation. If you say, man, I, I, I think I get this. I'm a child of God. Awesome. That's just the beginning. Sonship and daughtership is about becoming. It's about being perfected. The word perfected in the Greek means to make complete. God wants to make you complete. But the other word that kind of stuck out one is one when he said, and having been perfected, he became. How can Jesus become? I thought he was. He was the son of God, the great I am. But we must remember that the author of Hebrews is trying to introduce the humanity side of Jesus to remind us that he relates 100% with what you're going through. That you're not on your own. That in the same way we suffer, that Jesus was, was tempted with every temptation and, was, and that he struggled with the same suffering that, that later on would come and, and try to take you out. He became, under, help us understand that Jesus was still 100% human. The word became in the Greek means to begin to be to cause to be. So Jesus was the son, but he still had to become. Explain that to me. And once again, he's trying to help us relate that he knows what you're going through. Once we accept we are the children of God, isn't that good enough? Aren't we, isn't that what we have to do? Don't we just have to answer an altar call and everything's fixed? Isn't that the end? Aren't all our prayers answered and our issues resolved and we know that the answer is no. Because our identity in Christ is an ongoing becoming. You are a son and a daughter. You go through trials. You learn. You obey. You become. And then you begin again. You realize you go through trials. You go through tribulations. But you learn. Then you become. And the best way I can... I could remind you about this. Is remember when you were before you were following Jesus. How you used to think. And some of us, hopefully, we don't remember how we used to think. But we know it's different. Why is it different? It is not because we created this thing called church services that makes you different. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you don't give up, when you keep coming, when you mess up and you keep getting up, when you keep becoming, when you allow His Holy Spirit through His Word transform you, you'll begin to become a different person. This is not your end. It's your beginning. Our identity in Christ is an ongoing becoming. Second Corinthians chapter 5 it says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, in him, in Jesus. John 1 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children, the children of God. Pastor John, as we started this season, reminded us of the story of the prodigal son. The father who has two sons, once one comes to him, with arrogance, it says, give me. Give me my inheritance. Give me what's my due. Give me what I deserve. Give me my inheritance. 
So the father does. And he wastes all his money, all everything away, away in a land away from his father. But when he loses everything, he allowed his suffering to teach him. And he came back and said, what am I doing? I could be, I could be a servant. Even the servants in my father's house have better to eat. So the transformation began. So he came back to the father, but with a completely different attitude. He left saying, give me. He came back saying, would you please make me? Would you make me a servant? And we know the story that the father says, you're not my servant, you're my son. You never stop being my son. And he throws a party for him. I wonder if, if some of you are like what the Hebrews in the early church were struggling with, that you're about to give up on your faith. That, you go, that you're about to go back to your old ways. And you're just wondering, man, this is too hard. I don't know if I can do it. It's costing too much. I don't know if I can do it. I pray that just like the prodigal son, that you have that same revelation. And that instead of saying, God, I'm quitting, may you say, God, would you make me into you who you want me to be? Even though I'm going through this, even though in the middle of this, would you make me? Start acting like a child. Childlike faith. Suffer with purpose. Through Jesus Christ. Learn so that you can obey. If you have a problem obeying God, pray for a revelation of his word in your life. And keep becoming. I remember recently of a, of a story about, that I heard a long time ago about a, a seed that is found in Costa Rica in South America and in some islands near South America. It's called the mucuna seed. Can you say mucuna? And it was a strange seed because this, this tree was giving out these seeds, but they were, these seeds are not from Latin America, Latin America. They're not from Costa Rica. But this, it's, this tree started show, showing up. When they did research, they found out that these seeds were actually originated from, from Africa and parts of Asia. What's interesting about the Makuna seed is that it is not a pretty seed. It's actually a very ugly seed on the outside. You have to be careful when you hold it because... It's, it's just ugly looking. But when this seed in Africa and Asia would fall on the ocean, any other seed wouldn't survive. The salt of the ocean is way too strong. The waves would push most seeds down to the point that, that, that they, they become ill and they just die, drown by the water of the ocean. Never to be seen again. But not the Mukuna seed. The Mukuna seed should have died by the saltiness, should have died by the, by the weight of the waves upon the ocean and the rains. But instead of allowing the waves to crash it, it allowed the waves to push it forward. And even though it was dead in the ocean, when it arrived in, the, in Latin America, in the lands of Costa Rica and other places, it began to give fruit. And some of you are like the Mukuna seed. Because you should have been dead by now. You should have been divorced. You should not be in a relationship with your children. Because you screwed it up too many, too many times. But what should have killed you has pushed you forward. And God says to you, I'm not done with you. I can still bring fruit from you. But here's the deal. You must be buried. Because a seed brings no fruit unless it's buried. 
And here's what I felt the Holy Spirit said to you today. The difference with people who suffer, everyone suffers, but not everyone suffers with purpose. The only difference with people who suffer with purpose and without purpose is those that are buried. That complain that the weight of the world is upon me. I cannot do anymore. I cannot. I'm done. I'm quitting. And the other people is the people that say, I'm not buried. I'm planted. God, what's supposed to kill me is just going to push me forward. It's not going to push me away from you. It's going to push me towards my destiny. It's going to push me away from you. No, it's going to push me towards generations in the future that are going to get to see my fruit. My children will be blessed because I'm not quitting. My grandchildren will see the glory of the Lord. I may have messed it up, but I'm so thankful that they will stand on my shoulders and they will have a better relationship with Jesus than I could ever do. I may have witness to 10 people my children will witness to hundreds i will see the goodness of the the lord in the land of the living through my children and through my graveyard children would you please stand this morning galatians reminds us paul do not be discouraged in doing good because in due time, you will, you will, you will, you will, not maybe, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. If you're about to quit, just remember, you may see, you may think it's a weed right now. Just give it time. Just give it time. You may see something small and insignificant. Just give it time. Just give it time. And God will use every ounce of suffering that you may have go through for his glory. For his glory. For his glory. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in his presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.